Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. looked in a mirror before he went out in front of people and went, yeah, I look fine. And God bless him for it. <laughs> what am I over now? Yuckety yuck, Mc, McManakin. The British Bulldog is part of the new generation. You may all bow the door. And the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads continue on their road to WrestleMania. We are here via the Ica Pro powered DeLorean. Maybe it should be a Slim Jim powered DeLorean now. Who knows? We are back in the doldrums of 1995, very much like Talking Head said on the road to nowhere. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter with that portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell, and I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage. He is the head pen of Cultaholic. Doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every single gosh darn time. He is Justin Henry, and he has authority here, Jackie Weaver. And he is off of America. It should maybe actually be more exciting than the Super Bowl. <laughs> Did you not enjoy the superb owl the other week? I didn't hate it because I'm I mean, I'm I'm not part of the I'm not part of that fan contingent who needs a high scoring game to, to enjoy it. Like I enjoy when one, one defense is just so stout that it just beat the crap out of another offense. So it, 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 that's fine in that sense, but it wasn't really. It was kind of disappointing. I thought I thought it'd be a competitive game because it was kind of that Super Bowl is always considered like the the non fans game because it's always like a high scoring, high faluting type experience, and it kind of lacked that energy a bit. Well, I did think it was kind of funny when people on Twitter were like, oh my God, the packed stadium, we're screwed, we're screwed. It's like, most of them are cardboard cutouts. <laughs> All with a terrible case of fold it 19. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. We can joke about it now because we're quite far down the road. Um, yeah, it, a, lot of, a lot of cardboard cutouts there. Something that apparently WWE are considering for WrestleMania. Yeah, it's... Um... Oh, the crowd is really flat this year. Ah, oh. <laughs> mate, I'm happy to. <laughs> I'll pitch him. You knock him out the park. <laughs> I mean, is we think about it. I mean, the second loudest. I'm gonna. 
the second quietest crowd in Mania history was 36, and the least quiet was was 19. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Where will this one be? Well, we have a heat machine. Behind 36, weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they've got the heat machine. Oh, gosh, they'll have the deluxe heat machine for WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, just... And, and they have access to a cannon in oh, that stadium. No. Oh, no. <laughs> They're going to fire a T-shirt and a cardboard cutout, and then the head's going to come flying off. Oh, God, more Flanders died again. <laughs> I did have an idea for the for the fans at Wrestling Mania, if they are going to use cardboard cutouts. Wrestling Mania. Wrestling Mania. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this on the news on Monday. What if we have an entire row of cardboard cutouts of R-Truth so when the 24-7 goobers come looking for him, he can hide amongst the cutouts. And somehow Drew Golak and Akira Tozawa lose to the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> yeah. A cardboard cutout falls on R-Truth. R-Truth loses the belt to R-Truth. It's like a Mortal Kombat mirror match, but not as gruesome. Oh, do it. They'll do it. I hope they do it. I, what are we doing? We can't talk about wrestling from the now. We have to talk about wrestling from off of the past, namely... We are okay, quick. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk we're gonna talk about Ron Ron the Truth Killings or K Crush as he was known at some point. Mm-hmm. And he looked exactly the same. Uh we are back in 1995. Before we give you the rundown of the week in wrestling, where and when are we, Justin Henry? Well, this show is broadcast on Monday, May 1st, 1995. This was taped one week earlier at the Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, so this week, I mean, we'll talk about Omaha, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska in just a minute, but uh, there's a lot going on in Korea this week in the news, Justin. We have reached that point in our timeline where you and I get to talk about collision in Korea. This was quite the event, the wrestling event that took place in conjunction uh, with New Japan and WCW. Um, Mm -hmm. It took place out of Pyongyang, North Korea, between the 28th of April and the 29th of April of 1995. Now, this is something as a wrestling historian, I'm sure you're very aware of, Justin. Yes. Oh, he's back. Pause that I, was grabbing, I was grabbing Bischoff's book for an anecdote I was going to read from that oh, show. Excellent, excellent. Justin Henry has brought Eric Bischoff's autobiography, Controversy Creates Cash, along with him to, to discuss this one. Something that, as a wrestling historian, you are no doubt very aware of, Justin. And I'm very aware of it, although I haven't really seen much of the show. There is going to be a dark side of the ring that covers this topic this coming season, so I'm very fascinated by it. This is going to be quite an eye-opener. Some have called this the original crown jewel slash Grizz Roma slash whatever because of some of the uh, uncomfortableness, discomfort, shall we say, mm-hmm. that the people who had to go on this tour uh, face and a lot of uncertainty. So I wanted to read this anecdote from Eric Bischoff's book to give you an idea of – um of what they were up against here. Having never experienced a communist country, and especially one still stuck in the 1950s, I didn't know what to expect. I anticipated our rooms would be bugged and that kind of shit, but I had no idea the extent for which that was true. Scott Norton found out. Now, Scott is a great guy. He has this powerful, deep baritone voice that shakes the walls when he talks. He's about 6'3", 6'4", weighs three or 400 pounds. Powerful guy. But Scott hates traveling. I think he'd rather take an ice pick to the ribcage and get on a plane. 
he can't stand being on buses because he gets claustrophobic. He's in the wrong business because in our business, you have to travel a lot. Anyway, soon, soon after we got to Korea, Scott went to take a bath. The bathtub separated from the wall. Well, that started shit. He got on the phone. How he figured out how to use it is beyond me because no one else could. He called his wife and bitched about everything. The room, the food, the secret police, North Korea in general. He MF'd those people all night long. Clearly, there was someone listening in who could understand English. When Scott came back to his hotel room the next day, the sheets were stripped off of his bed and his room was turned upside down. No one would clean or go near his room for the rest of the trip. We were real careful what we said and did after that. Jeez. So Scott Norton, after making a phone call to his wife, uh, some reports have said he was almost arrested as well. Really? Off the back of this. Um, One report that I read said that when he was on the phone to his wife, as soon as he referred to North Korea as a SH1T hole, the phone line went dead. Mm. Uh, And so there was obviously something occurring there, but it didn't, but that wasn't the beginning or the end of some of the stuff around the show. So to, to give you a little bit of an overview of some of the other events from it, uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, who you're reading the book from, uh, he'll also say in that book that he didn't tell Turner Broadcasting about his plans to do a show in Korea. He just sort of organized them and then went for the route that you'd rather seek forgiveness as opposed to ask permission. So mm. by the time they realized what was happening, it was already the wheels were already well and truly in motion. Well, the faces of the tour weren't they Inoki and Muhammad Ali? They were indeed, yes. Uh, the mm-hmm. heels were uh, well, one of the heels was Ric Flair. He and uh, he and Inoki had a heck of a match on the second night, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, a, a superb effort, but it wasn't meant to be Flair because Inoki wanted to face Hulk Hogan. And Eric Bischoff says in his book that when he asked Hogan whether or not he would want to come to Korea to face Enoki, Hogan acted as if he'd asked him to row to Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not so much, and, and that, a number of things. One, because obviously Korea is, is very much, a, North Korea is a very a hotbed of, of, uh, of political discussion, to say it very, very lightly. But also Hogan at this point wasn't ready to, to hang up the baby face boots yet. He was quite, he was still loving life as a good guy, wasn't ready to go to North Korea where there was this massive anti-American sentiment. He would definitely be booed. And that wasn't in his plans. We had a fight on the first night between Road Warrior Hawk and Two Cold Scorpio. Not in the ring. This is this is behind the scenes. They're just getting hot and bothered and flustered with each other and they end up scrapping. So it's all going well so far. And on the, 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 the day that they're set to leave Korea, um, this is this this is from Ric Flair's book to be the man. Uh, Ric Flair says that he was approached by uh, the North Korean the, the, the ambassadors for North Korea, and uh, they wanted Ric Flair to do a, a speech before leaving to the um, to the uh, ambassador uh, members of the press and, and such to say that he now knows why the U.S. is afraid of North Korea and how North Korea is a powerful nation and how powerful and much better the culture in North Korea is. And Flair was told, look, you've got to do this before you get on the plane. Ric Flair did a speech where he kind of went away from that. Instead, he he was very gracious to the hosts, to North Korea, to the great leader, Kim Il-sung. He was uh, very, very flattering and complimentary to him. And... It was that was a big risky move from Flair's point of view because Flair had this script that he had to read and he went away from it. Managed to get out of the country though. They all flew away and they never went back. It was a it was a 
a bit of a scary time, according to Flair and to Bischoff's book, for everyone involved. But it remains a record-drawing uh, two nights of wrestling. 340,000 people overall. Most people from North Korea uh, who weren't massive fans of wrestling, uh, but were politely cajoled to attend the event, shall we say. And that's um, Korea. Well, you said it was a very scary time. I imagine that's why we're getting a dark side of the ring on it. Mm-hmm. So imagine what I've said there, but an hour long. And, and I wonder if Scott Norton's going to be unshell shocked enough to give his take on it. Cause I, I know he commented on uh, the road warriors documentary last season. So he's, they obviously have his contact if he's willing to discuss oh, his memories of that. I'm hoping that he will. I'm hoping that he will. He headlined the first night to Scott Norton. Scott Norton and Ric Flair were the U.S. headliners for that show, which is weird when you think about it. Well, Norton was a big star in Japan. He was former IWGP heavyweight champ, so it does make sense. But in an event that was put on by WCW, where Scott Norton wasn't considered a top guy, it's, it is strange. Even this though is this is the same year where Scott Norton jobs over Andy Savage on Nitro after John Tenta fell on Norton's legs. I think it was this year. I think yes. this was the year. <laughs> and Reverend just ignored this 400-pound man laying across a guy's thighs while he's get hit with a flying elbow smash and just counts the pin anyway. It's one of the best inexplicable finishes ever. Uh, some legal nonsense from the WWF. This comes from the Pro Wrestling Torch of the Year. Uh, Nails, aka Kevin Wakeholtz, uh, has reached an out. So, have I did I pronounce it wrong? I was always. I mean, I've never actually heard it spoken. So you could be right for all I know. Uh, okay. I, I was always like walk holes or something. Walk holes. Well, either way, Nails with a Z. Okay. Uh, reached yep. an out of court settlement uh, with the WWF. So this follows uh, the law, the suit in December 92. Uh, Nails jumping Vince McMahon, getting angry about his payoff for SummerSlam, choking him in the locker room. And uh, this led to a 911 call. This led to Nails making the 911 call to say that Vince McMahon had sexually assaulted him. Uh, McMahon was like, no, I'm going to sue you back. They've gone back and forth for years. We now settle out of court. What do you remember of uh, of Nails and his time in the WWF. When I, I believe the initial dust-up started when he was mad over a SummerSlam payoff mm-hmm. for beating Virgil in three minutes. I mean, eight grand to beat Virgil. It's, I mean, it's still... I mean, wrestlers, you know, you can feel how they feel about their pay. It's their pay. It's their right to feel how they feel. But the whole incident is just, it's so bizarre. And I remember Bret Hart in his book saying that some guys in the locker room, some guys in the locker room actually looked up to nails for covering his tracks the way he did the, the, the paint Vince the bad guy in that scenario as fast as he did. And it was this, and, and Brett made it like nails was a, was a legit scary human being because he said he, every time nails was, you could hear him screaming at Vince in the office. And this sounds like something being thrown or something being pounded. He, he would just shudder. Cause like nails was intimidating guy. I mean, and it was a kid. He was intimidating with just those narrow eyes and the way his mouth hung open, the way he glared at you. And, and, and of course, that distorted voice. I don't know if you ever knew this, but Nails's voice in WBF, that was not his actual voice. It was uh, it was the drop-down tones, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was the Josh Matthews treatment. Because he did, he did an independent show where he called out Boss Man, and he sounds like Larry the Three Stooges. <laughs> Guess what, boss man? We're gonna get it. Or like, like, like half, half Vince, half boss, half Larry. Fine. 
It's, it's like what? What? Like, it blew my mind. It's like seeing Batman without the mask. <laughs> uh, we end on um, more of WCW wrestlers doing something political to possibly anger an entire nation. Hulk Hogan is opening an Italian restaurant. Uh, Hulk Hogan officially putting his name to uh, the Mall of America's latest eatery, Pasta Mania. It's opening on the 15th of June, 1995. The announcement has come down today uh, from Dave's Observer from the, this week in wrestling, this bloody week in the wrestling. This is supposed to be the initial in which they are trying to turn into a franchise. They are negotiating leases in Baltimore and Philadelphia and plan to open five restaurants this year, another 25 in 96. The plan, the company plans on introducing Hulk Hogan pasta and sauces for supermarket distribution this summer. Now that's a product that sounds like a winner. That's Dave Meltzer there getting pissy about pasta in the Wrestling Observer. Well, I don't know everything that happens in Philadelphia, especially when I was 11 years old, but I can almost bet bet the farm here that we never got pasta mania in Philly. <laughs> Would you have gotten... Known a Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to be Some overpriced spaghetti. It sounds good. <laughs> I, mate, I, I genuinely believe that if Pasta Mania was indeed still a thing, I'd insist that when we eventually do the classic Raw review live, we would do it from there. Um, but sadly, that is not going to happen because the franchise no longer exists. I've pulled up here um, a little menu from Pasta Mania. <laughs> and, Let's hear it. It's uh, now these are 1995 prices. Um, angel hair pasta in white in white clam sauce, right? Okay. Um, if you want that with Swedish meatballs, it's going to cost you nine dollars in 1995. Wait, wait, hang on. I, I have my inflation calculator here. <laughs> what does that work out as on the old inflationometer? You said nine dollars. Nine dollars. Fifteen dollars and twenty-eight cents. Oh, that's a that's a lot of money for some pasta shells. <laughs> okay, they've got a list here, right? And it says pastas and then sauces. So you mix it up. So <laughs> your, your sauces are marinara, Alfredo, pesto, white clam, and garlic and oil. Uh, okay. I, the last one's quite lazy. Pastas, angel hair, shells, fettuccine, pen, nuggets. Okay. What's a nuggets pasta? Nuggets pasta? Is that like pasta, stuffed shells? Pasta nuggets. I'm Googling pasta nuggets. Pasta. Okay. They are. Oh, one second. Hello. Hello. Oh, bear with me. Someone's at the door. One second. Sure. And it'll be the good lady. It wasn't a good lady. It was delivery man. By my apologies. All good. Ordered Pablo uh, a bed that goes over the radiator. Oh, nice. So I'll, so I'll fit that for him tonight. He'll be delighted. Right. Should be. Or he'll be finicky, one or the other. Oh yeah, he'll probably look at it, sit in it for thirty seconds, and then ignore it forever. So that's poor Harley. Here's wondering why I don't, I don't buy him a bed to go over the radiator. Oh, why? Where's my bed, Dada? I've looked at pasta nuggets. Tom. Hey, there he is. Hey, buddy. 
Harley! What, Fred? Oh, what a boy! Hmm? That's the first time I met Harley. Harley, that was Tom. Hi, Harley! He's just sniffing around now. Oh. He's a little shy. Oh, bless him. We should get Harley and Pablo to meet at some point. I don't know. You don't like other cats. They could do the raw review together. <laughs> they should. They will continue our legacy. <laughs> it will be golden. It's like when Sasha Banks carried on Eddie's legacy. You're part of his legacy now. Not his <laughs> son-in-law eating English, but Sasha Banks. <laughs> Ain't no, no, moving on. No chance. So jump back in here. Okay. What's, yeah. I'll go, what's Hulk's power pasta? I hear you ask, Justin. Power wow. pasta. For $4.99, you can get penny pasta with chicken, veggies, and either chicken marinara and fettuccine primavera. Power pasta. Power pasta. I don't yeah. know how it's different. I'm hoping they're shaped like little Hulk Hogan's. Boy, thank God that was an exhibit egg in the trial. <laughs> now, the issue is that none of these, none of the things on this that I'm looking at have any description and it's a very in fact what i'm going to do i'm going to do a cheeky screen share with my good friend justin henry so you can see this so that's okay. that is a pasta mania menu right there and it is it is as it's highly generic it is an aerial font it is on a white paper and it just has everything in block capitals. Now, the concern for me isn't so much like pick your pasta, pick your sauces. Do you want Swedish meatballs with it? Well, a bit extravagant turkey tetrazzini with it. Get amongst it. Well, what is what is turkey tetrazzini? That sounds, whatever it is, it sounds good. I seem to remember somebody on Maury was talking about making it on an episode of Maury. <laughs> Some woman going, chicken tetrazzini. That's, that's the only time I've ever heard it mentioned. My main concern, though, is on the at the bottom of here where it says for little pasta maniacs, <laughs> which, uh -huh. which which sounds like somebody that's committed pasticide. Uh, for <laughs> for, for 2.99, you can get either Hulkaroni and cheese, which is okay, it's macaroni and cheese, cheeseburger pasta. Okay, that's just that's pasta with, with meat and cheese. Hulkios. It doesn't tell you what a Hulkio is, and and I can't use the use. My process of, of remuneration. May I? May oh, I? He's in. He's in. Hey, hey. A hockeyo is a, is like a machio, but with but with worse kicks. <laughs> I don't know what kick I'm going to get from a hockeyo. I don't know what a hockeyo is. It doesn't even like as a, as a parent, you would like to know what the kid's going to eat. I bet hockeyos was the lowest seller. So does so does the FDA. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk would go on to mention um, Hulk use as well as as an. I don't think it was on the initial menu. They obviously added it, but added it. Well, Hulk first... you too. <laughs> Hulk you too, you mother Hulker. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what a Hulk you. They don't tell you anything on here. It's like somebody just went. Here's a copy of Word ninety five. Can you make a menu? <laughs> Train say your prayers and be vague. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk's power pasta. There you go. So um, that is the that is. Uh, please, if you do, you can seek it out online. Uh, if you do feel the, if you feel inclined to do so, you can check out the the menu for Pasta Mania. Hulk Hogan's restaurant. I see beef stroganoff. 
It's been beefcake stroganoff, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, uh, when we watch the first ever Nitro, mm. shall we try? I should. I might. Tr- <laughs> I say I might try and make one of these, <laughs> but I feel like this is just this is the most basic of dinners. Mm-hmm. Get some angel hair pasta. Get some mm-hmm. pesto sauce. Congratulations, and then hand over nine dollars if you want some stroganoff with it. Hey, Hogan, you want some jabberoni? That doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> Just some career-roni. Oh, I'd rather roll to Pluto. <laughs> brother, brother, brother. So um, we hope you've uh, had your dinner. If not, maybe get yourself some Hulkios because it is time for Justin Henry to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Rower from Moth of the Wrestling. Well, Tom, when we left last week, this may have been off I wish air. we had left last week. <laughs> when we went off air, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I just, it was a blur. I remember just sitting in a, in a very dark room for a little while and crying. <laughs> well, it was before. <laughs> I woke up and I was outside. <laughs> I think we, I think we had just gotten to the end of the show and, and you asked if next, week, if next week should looked any good. So I looked it up. I'm like, oh no, this looks terrible. Just, just from reading the matches and having no memory specifically. Well, I have to amend that a little bit. Now, this is not a good show. This is not a good show by any stretch. However, it accidentally overachieved. Yeah, I mean, what it was from watching it, it was a very full 45 minutes of wrestling. There was a lot in here. And it's not going to win show of the year. It had a clear goal. And to the, to, on the whole, it achieved it. Well, not just that. I'm talking about the jobbers' outfits. Oh, they look great this week. The lost, the lost property bin at, uh, at WWF Raw was, was particularly generous this week because this, some, of these, some of these enhancement boys looked enhanced. <laughs> To say the very least, I swear to God, and, there. And this is my theory. If this is new, if you're new to this podcast, this is my my true hack theory for the wrestling. Is that the the enhancement guys, but in the mid to late nineties, I don't. I think they had their own gear when they wrestled elsewhere. But when they got to the raw taping, there was just like a a, a box of lost property, and they had to make an outfit out of whatever was in there. Because either that or there's some really disgusting wrestlers on the periphery in the well, mid-90s. Yeah. But there's that theory, or just some of them have really good taste. So we have to get to this. Well, first we start out with this recap of the Bigelow Diesel match from last week, where, where Kevin Nash accidentally won with a Batista bomb. <laughs> it was a lovely and, Batista bomb, though. And we get the post-match. Yeah, well, that's true. Get the post-match turn where they're... Bigelow turns face after Sid power bombs him slash pile drives him. It was a power drive. <laughs> He's invented a new move there. You have selected power drive. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to play again? Would, You've selected you like, no. <laughs> would you like to fix Bam Bam's neck? You have selected no. <laughs> 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 Where's Bam Bam? He is in the parking lot. <laughs> Bam Bam is in ICU. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to practice power bomb making safer? 
you have selected no. No. <laughs> I tell I'll tell you who never went to ICU. Zep. John Cena. That's right. Ah, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Okay. He did an ad for something last night at, at the Super Bowl because he recorded us on the Monday after. Was he advertising John Cena? <laughs> no, he for, was advertising some. I remember that the ad ad had like this pinkish purplish tint to it. He was driving in the car with somebody. Oh, was it Jolly Rancher? Like, was it Jolly Rancher? Might have been. It was. It was a. It was a. It was some sort of uh, confection. Mm. John Cena superb owl ad. All I know is there were three. Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. A Mountain Dew. Okay, because there was three XW title holders on on, on 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 last night's broadcast: Cena, Batista, and Gronk. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All so, the lads. So on the heels of Sid brutalizing Bigelow tonight, we have Sid versus Razor Ramon, or so they say. Oh. So Lawler's still angling for that match with Brett in your house because you know Brett's already set to face Hakushi. Make Brett work twice. Interesting way to weasel into a match now. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the end of the show. I know I'm hurrying right now because I I gotta get to the first match. <laughs> the Allied Powers. Yay! Versus, versus George Anderson and my new favorite enhancement talent. Ron Hagen. You liked Big Ron too, as well, didn't you? <laughs> Ron Hagen. I do you know what I love when I know Justin's going to go on a rant because he'll say the name of who's going to rant. He'll take a little clap of his mouth and he'll go back. So like we're like buckle in. Mm-hmm. Henry's holding court. For those of you who have never seen Ron Hagen, and I, I didn't remember him before this match, but <laughs> by God, I wish I had. Ron Hagen looks like John Cazale from the Godfather movies. If he if he grew a giant mustache and and shopped at Marty Jannetty's yard sale, I I, I would say he looked like John Cazale from the Godfather movies. If he was a rocker, <laughs> yes. John, I want John. I want, I want, I want, I want no, John. This is what I want. I want Michael and Fredo as the rockers. <laughs> because, hey, he'll be good at that. He'll be good at that because. Uh, top marks to John Eiley, who this week was on BBC Radio Sunderland. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, they they did a they were asking people what movies you've never seen. Oh right, 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 that right, you, right. That you should. And John Ar- John Eiley commented on my Facebook said I've never seen The Godfather. I said right, and you need to tell Alex that. So lo and behold, Alex sets sets him up with. Tamsin Roberts, Tamsin Robson, who presents the the mid morning show on BBC Sunderland. Alex is producing it, and before we know it, John is on Radio Sunderland. And this weekend, he watched The Godfather, and he reported back on it on Monday. Yeah. It was lovely About to time. hear. Yes, he's done it. He's watched The Godfather. Well done, John. <laughs> so, so what's he making? Want, what's he making? What's he making? Well, he's going to make Michael and Fredo the rockers. And what you're going to do is um, you're going to have – it's going to be the I know it was you, Fredo, scene, and then and it, right before he throws him through the window, basically. Because that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> George, you don't come to Omaha and you don't talk to the Allied powers like that. <laughs> 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 
Which is like, is it, so, so who's Mo Green? Bulldog or Luger? Um, Mo Green. <laughs> oh. Well, well, Luger took less green when he went to WCW later that year. For his loyalty. Who's the biggest sellout? Because it'll definitely be. Well, well, Bulldog took less green two years later when he gave the money back in order to get out of his contract. Luke, well, actually, Luger wanted Mo Green, so we should, so Mo Green should be Luger. And, and you're right because we we also say like like could Luger be any Mo Green when he's running the ropes? <laughs> I don't know, Green. <laughs> <laughs> and his glasses are too shattered, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Godfather game for the seventh ninth time of my life. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Good. He's he's quite anyway. He's quite the looker, isn't he? Our our, our, our cavalcade of enhancement boys this week. <laughs> Rod Hagen. I want to see. Like he's only my second best this week, and that. But it's it's. But that's that is no disrespect to Ron Hagen. It's a tough, it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough Mr. Universe this week of enhancement talents. I know, it's like, I mean, the Garish Rocker singlet w- would have been enough by itself, but it's the John Cazale hairline and an additional, <laughs> like, 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 thick, guppy mustache that he has going. That Rod, puts it over the top. Ron Hagen, right. <laughs> Ron Hagen. Ron, I think on this, Justin, Ron Hagen looked in a mirror before he went out. In front of people, in front of humans, and went, yeah, I look fine. <laughs> and, and God bless him for it. <laughs> God bless him for doing that. You know what he is? He's the even colder Mike Austin of Marty Jannetty. <laughs> <laughs> Temperature gauge broken, Mike Austin. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, is he too hot or too cold? Well, we'll never know. <laughs> so, <laughs> they discussed Jarrett Vicky near Continental Belt over the weekend. Oh, yeah, that happened. That's kind of important. But who cares? If we have Ron Hagen. <laughs> oh, oh. I got to mention this part. They mentioned that Kid has a, uh, that one, two, three Kid has a neck injury mm-hmm. and he's been sidelined. And Vince, I think Vince is about to say, we wish him the very best. We wish him well. We wish him a speedy recovery. No, 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 no. He says, we wish he were here. Yeah, that's a weird line. It's just like, 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 God damn, it's just a neck injury. You can work through it. You've been doing it for years. (laughs) But it looked like he might be done, like, properly. Which We'll we'll talk talk about it when we get to to Bob Holly. Um, Screwed up his neck pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, really bad. We'll get to it in a bit. But, yeah, it was a weird line saying, wish you were here. Because that's what you say when, when, you know, when you're on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like god damn it you should be working the weather is here wish you were beautiful <laughs> so Luger gives george blanderson some generic stuff because because george anderson is wearing just a generic black singlet george, is, if not... george isn't trying <laughs> ron hagan is a peacock and george hagan is essentially <laughs> he's like dryer lint by comparison, <laughs> try a lint, George Anderson. <laughs> Christ, what a pair of bollocks! By <laughs> temperature gauge, broken Ron Hagen. <laughs> try a lint, George. 
<laughs> Put the tag belts on them immediately. <laughs> These two men cannot be more opposite. Put the belts on them, you absolute <laughs> cowards. <laughs> Team contrast. Christ. <laughs> Turn your contrast up or down. We don't know. Both. The two extre- <laughs> Forget Team Extreme. This is the two extremes. <laughs> <laughs> we should do the Ron Hagen podcast from now on. That's all, all it's going to be. Is talk- this is now a Ron Hagen stan account. <laughs> so, <laughs> the only other, other interesting thing about this match is that I realized that, that Davy Boy. There's nothing else interesting. It's just Ron words. Hagen. Uh, well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> Davy Boy was pinned at WrestleMania 3 by the referee. Oh my god, he was! It just hit me at one point. Oh my god! Didn't spot Danny it was Davis. Danny Davis. Gee, oh, that's that's a moment. I was like, maybe I was hoping Bulldog could have maybe played on that a little bit. Maybe giving him a little funny eye as he walks in, like oh, tombstone him again, spike him on his head. <laughs> we did it, you three. Oh my god, Danny Davis <laughs> and Bulldog reunited. Mm-hmm. And Ron Hagen. Speaking of Hagen, we come to my favorite spot of the match. <laughs> you know the Bret Hart cross corner whip where he hits the buckles and then flies back like he's been shot. Ah, uh, yes. Well, Davy Boy sends him flying into the post. Hagen does the chest first bump, but he sticks. He forgets to either fall backwards or he's just so painless he's trying to hold himself up at this point. <laughs> His outfit's Velcro. <laughs> He's stuck to the ring. He's like the kid in the bumper cars who gets stuck in the corner so, they, so the operator has a curve car, like, like push him off so he can get going again. I think he wanted to bounce out the corner, but he, he was he couldn't figure out how to move. The science has had enough of him. Oh, Ron. So, so for some reason on this show, I'm not sure if you caught this. Jerry Lawler was like assigning occupations and backstories to all the enhancement talent. I thought this was strange. I mean, like he does this for Butler Stevens later on as well. Which is a great he says name. He's, in, he's in pest control. Oh, he's even better guy. Um, mm-hmm. But he's in pest control. Um, yeah, weird. This bit. I mean, I kind of get like use each other. Yeah, I think just I think it's just Lawler just just riffing. Just, you know, he like doesn't want to do any... Because Lawler famously always said, I like to organically react to everything I'm seeing, which is normally the the, the lazy man's excuse for not doing any work. Yeah. I like to just organically react to it. Now you're just lazy. You've not done any prep. That's fine. <laughs> you know, you can still react to stuff organically and still do your prep. I'm just saying. Um I was I did when I did commentary, I'd always look up who the wrestlers were so I could oh. give them the due diligence. I just if I didn't want to know who won a match, I wouldn't find out. <laughs> well, there's also the Art Donovan approach where, 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 where you just inquire about weights and measures. That that too also works. <laughs> How much does this guy weigh? Why is this guy dressed like a cotton candy thing? <laughs> Why is this guy looking like the Godfather was a rocker? <laughs> this oh guy will be taken out in the boat and shot by uh, Michael's uh, henchman. <laughs> hey, is this real? <laughs> what is this guy in the deer hunter? <laughs> Forgot about Art Donovan. <laughs> and John Cazalford, as we don't know, but now bring up his name. The man made five movies in his life. They were all like, a, a, 
all nominated for Academy Awards, and he sadly died young of cancer. So, uh, like, like per capita, he had the greatest film career ever because he never had a bad movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Godfather, Godfather <gasps> Two, Deer Hunter, Conversation, and Dog Day Afternoon. All bangers. If that yes. was all he did, then that is the perfect film <laughs> career. Yeah, I mean, sadly died young, but on the other hand, never made a stinker. His his Metacritic rating is extremely high. It's got to be the highest of anybody ever. Yeah. Yeah. Five movies. He's literally the best actor ever. If you were to, if you were just Jean using numbers, John Cazale might be. John Cazale is the best actor ever. So, match just ends when Bulldog pins uh, Anderson. Oh, I mentioned the jobs. Apparently, Anderson works in fire science, <laughs> while Hagen works for the water department in Omaha. Even more of a contrast, and I love it. Like they are like the ultimate tag team that shouldn't get along but do. It is kind of funny they put it that way. He's just that's his way of saying like they're like they're nothing alike. It's like a buddy sitcom. All the more reason why I'm pulling for him. <laughs> he likes colors. This one's bland. These two are going to jobber land. <laughs> He's got a mullet and he is bland. He's got colors and he is bland. He's he works at the fire department and he is bland. <laughs> what a right pair. Bland and not bland. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm bland. I'm not so bland. And we're the Jabbers. <laughs> Lawler's not funny. Vince needs LASIK. This one looks like Sherber, and this one's basic. <laughs> I originally said that Butler Stevens was my favorite enhancement talent on this show, but. <laughs> You're cutting in and out. Oh, am I back now? Is that all right? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you, ah. you were just choppy for a moment. Oh, no. I don't know what happened there. Hang on. Okay. Well, as I said, uh, hang on, I'll do... My favorite jobber of this show was originally Butler Stevens, but after talking to you, I think it is Ron Hager. <laughs> well, I mean, Butler Stevens will have his moment of judgment here. He certainly will. I'm not sure if he'll, I'm not sure he'll inspire the same amount of inspiration that... Uh, Mr. Hagen has. I don't think he will, you know. <laughs> Why is there a Hagen mania pasta place with extra water? Oh. <laughs> just like, just, just all these pasta shells dipped in dye. <laughs> like, a, like a Paz Easter egg factory. <laughs> so Bulldog finishes off Anderson. That's a... As long as you've ever covered a jobber match, I think. <laughs> that really, really is. But now, Allied Powers look the part. I'll mm -hmm. say that. They look the part. From the entrance, the pyro, the rocket's red glare, which now makes sense because Luger's out there with him. You mm -hmm. can That's forgivable. Like, they're built like machines. They're just a bit crap. But they look the part. That's half the well, battle. Just, I think Luger's mentally checked out. Mm. And Davy Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like he needs the right opponent. Mm. Yeah, Davey Boy, right you put him in there with a with a Brett or an Owen or a Sean, you're getting gold. Mm -hmm. you, you put him in there with a slug. You put him in there with someone that's uh, not not the most coordinated, not the most technically skilled wrestler. You're gonna get. Basic at best. Mm -hmm. So basically, Bulldogs. Some matches is Ron Hagen, and other matches he's George Anderson. 
<laughs> we all would like to be a little bit Ron Hagen. We all would be. We all would like to be a little Ron Hagen. We get highlights of Action Zone the day before when Bob Holly challenged Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Championship. Jarrett cheated to get the win. The match was restarted when Tim White came out and and and, and dimed Jarrett out. So Holly wins the restarted match, but Jarrett's foot is on the rope. But still, Holly has the Intercontinental belt, which is kind of a weird sight because he, he never officially won it ever. And he left with it, which is quite exciting. He did. So now we have a controversy. And we learned that Jack Tunney from his uh, Fortress of Solitude, <laughs> which is just a two-story brownstone up in um, um, <laughs> up in Brantford, Ontario. Did we say it's like a burned-out shack in Toronto that just says WWF Canada? <laughs> Isn't that what we said a while ago? <laughs> There's my decision that the landlord could fuck off. <laughs> and there's a room with bags full of money that just say, for the kids, love from Roddy Piper. <laughs> Scrooge McTunny. <laughs> I'll John. To the kids. <laughs> John Tunney is Scrooge. Whether it's, the, whether it's the DuckTales version or George C. Scott playing him in that great 1984 movie, whichever. <laughs> you, dear boy, what day is this? Furthermore, is the turkey in the shop still there? <laughs> Unequivocally, I'm tired of you, ghost. <laughs> You're more gravy than the grave. It does occur to me, though, that... I mean, Tony doesn't appear on camera here, but he is mentioned in passing as having made a decision to hold the bell up. I think this might be the last Jack Tunney decision in WBF history. Oh, really? I think it might be. Because I didn't think we got Gorilla Monsoon as as the the president for a little while yet. July. Oh, really? Oh, gosh! Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's creeping up. So yeah, this is um that was made in conjunction with the fact that WBF stopped using the Tunney family to help book 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 Maple Leaf Gardens and book Toronto. So once they Started doing it on their own at that at that point going forward they had no more need for the tunnies and just that's when they got rid of Jack. It's cruel, isn't it? Like just to go, we don't need you anymore for what we're doing. So off you go down the road. It is what it is. It it, that it is that it is. But um, when it comes to the action zone stuff, so this is Bob Holly and Jeff Jarrett going back and forth for the IC title, a match that was supposed to contain uh, the one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman. Bob Holly was a replacement. And this comes from the Observer from this particular week, saying the career of 22-year-old one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman, somewhat in jeopardy after suffering a broken neck at the 24th of April tapings in Omaha. Uh, The injury acknowledged on WWF television programs this past weekend was believed to be an aggravation of an injury suffered a few days earlier while on the European tour. Kid had suffered a brain concussion on the 12th of March in Anaheim, tried to come back too soon, was shaken up again one week later during a show in Madison Square Garden. This left him well below 100% for a show one week later at Tokyo Sumo Hall. Can Mm. you fathom in 2021, WWE having a guy on their roster that gets a brain concussion, allows them to continue wrestling, a show in New York, then a show in Sumo Hall, and then his and, and then not only injures his neck, but then exacerbates it a week later. Could you imagine that that there'd be a scandal if that happened in 2021? Oh, absolutely. And 
just to amend that a little bit, I know Dave is reporting that in good faith. When I spoke to Waltman a few years ago for an interview, he talked about his the injuries he sustained in this period. I think he put a lot of it on Hakushi not catching him properly on a dive or is either that or Hakushi came at him too high on a dive. And it, 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 it was something where they were not on the same page and it was just unfortunate what happened, but 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 kid took a sustained a bad injury off of a match those two had together. I'm not sure where it fits in with that timeline in particular or how kid remembers it and how it was reported. But yeah, it's definitely at this point, it wasn't looking good for kid. And based on my memories, I think he was supposed to be the initial replacement for Razor in, in King of the Ring 95. And we got what we got. And it still might have sucked, but if kid were in the matches, it might have been a little better. Mm-hmm. The ultimate underdog mm-hmm. playing the role of a certain someone who's coming in very soon. Well, what would we wish you were here? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bob Holly, speaking of the devil, versus Butler Stevens. Ah, yes! Butler Stevens! Right. This lad. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful standard issue black trunks. Uh, what looks like a bin bag with the arms cut off <laughs> on the top of it. And you get you get one shot really at greatness when you're a when you're a jobber. When they've announced the, the, the top guy over the music, over the, the loud music of the of the of the, the wrestler, the actual talent and the crowd. And Vince and Jerry Lawler plugging Duckman, the camera will cut to you and it will say your name on the bottom. Butler mm. Stevens has this one moment, this one shot at, at making his impression. And he does this pose where he throws his arms up in the air and he pulls his neck down over his chin. I don't know whether you've seen, um, is it 90 Day Fiance? I've heard of it. I will never watch that show. Right, there's a guy in it called Ed, 
Sounds um who who exciting. he's <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a bit of a me he's become a bit of a meme basically so if you if you were to type it like there's quite a few images of this guy there's of, of gifts of this guy where or not. it's a guy with no neck if you type in 90 day fiance ed you'll mm-hmm. you'll see a bit or big ed as you might be known you'll see exactly who i mean because he is doing the butler stevens face as butler stevens is pandering to the hard cam god love big ed <laughs> but he's doing a big head towards like a rhino. He's like a rhino or a turtle. <laughs> he's like he's like a, an adorable bollard. <laughs> he really is. And um yeah, so Butler Stevens wearing a big bag. That's not natural looking. He looks like strong mad. <laughs> strong mad. <laughs> I am on my fiance. <laughs> Bob Holly now for forever. I hate Bob Holly. <laughs> Why am I dressed like I'm going to a rave? <laughs> <laughs> so that's Butler Stevens. Get uh, <laughs> that face out as the camera cuts to him. God bless him. He, for whatever reason, he went. This is the face I'm going to do, and it will live with. <laughs> In him for me, because <laughs> he, he doesn't look like that normally. Is the thing <laughs> he watches it today and he goes nailed it. <laughs> yeah, he probably thought that was a good face. That. that was a good face, but it's like a weird bin bag with with a white trim. It's it's an odd, <laughs> it's an odd look. I I can only assume that he grabbed the items thinking that they matched. Now the last time we saw him. He was he was on the he was in the WWF some some while ago uh, in a jobber capacity, Butler Stevens, and he had a lovely sort of short, Ric Flair esque short robe on, which which is far more flattering than whatever this is. And he had a mullet and a mustache back in the day. If he'd rocked up with all that, he'd have been fine. I mean, he's dressed like he's going to like a punk concert or like an industrial metal concert. It's sort of like that look with the like the um with the vinyl top that he has on here. <laughs> it, it is a very odd look, and we learned during the match that from Jerry Lawler, who's who's revealing these men's backstories, is that he's a pest control operator. <laughs> okay, why not? Why not? It's just a very basic match. Hollywood has some fast-paced offense early, including the big drop kick that he loves to do. Stevens gets some really wonky-looking knees in the corner. Like he's like now. I'm not a wrestler. I, if I had to work a match right now, I would look so uncoordinated and probably hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not trained in the slightest. But you know when someone just looks weird, this man is highly cornered, grabs the ropes, pulls back like he's going to do like a belly bump, and goes forward to, and puts his knee in so like unsubtly and keeps pulling back and doing it over again, like, like he's doing like this weird jerky motion. And it's just, this is someone that needs a little more seasoning, I think. Holly finishes with the flying body press. And and this almost was disastrous because Stevens, I imagine that when you make contact, you're supposed to kind of catch and fall back. Stevens kind of just didn't take any initiative there. So Holly kind of crashed into him like it was the Hindenburg (laughs) and started going headfirst toward the mat. (laughs) And then Stevens decided, okay, I better fall. (laughs) Just like. The instinct is you kind of step, you kind of leap up and fall backwards 
So you mm-hmm. cushion the fall of the person coming at you. Mm-hmm. Instinctly. One, there was a line on commentary, which I thought was quite timely, which was Jerry Lawler uh, talking about a live event and encouraging families and kids to come along, um, providing they take it, you know, providing you taking your chicken pox vaccine. I missed that line. It was a line about the chickenpox vaccine, and it was it was in this week in history in 1995 that the chickenpox vaccine was available, and it's just quite timely when you consider the world that we live in right now, where where vaccines are being rolled out left, right, and centre, and and here's the chickenpox mm-hmm. vaccine being rolled out for the first time. Oh yeah, and Lola also mentioned me. Make sure you get your cardboard cutouts vaccinated too, so that people on Twitter don't have a panic attack <laughs> at the sight of so much and so much congregating cardboard. <laughs> that cardboard is too close. <laughs> Serviceable yeah. match puts Bob over though. It's building Bob up for the rematch on Action Zone, I believe, this coming weekend. Build up Bob. In your house report. Oh, now, oh, I got to pull this up real fast because I I found this the other day, and this made me so happy. Oh, go on. One of my secret passions, or not so secret passions, is crappy arena names. Because, like, I I love a good corporate arena name that's just so terrible, that has no soul to it. Like, there's there's a lot of arenas named for, like, um, banks and financial institutions and corporations. Like, like I, I've gotten used to that over the years. Like, but if it's simple, I can live with it. The Staples Center in Los Angeles, you know, Coors Field in in, in Denver. One word, and I can live with that. That's fine. <laughs> and some of them just get so over the top stupid that it, it, it's like, <laughs> I'll just read it. The Go first on. in your house is taking place in Syracuse. Okay, it's supposed to be at the Onondaga County War Memorial. Onondaga okay. County War Memorial. Okay, one well, no, It's not that. It's not that. Because that's what it was known as then. That's quite nice to say, though. Onondaga County War Memorial. Onondaga. O-N-O-N-D-A-G-A. Onondaga. It could be Onondaga. I'm not, I'm not sure. It Arndan- might be Onondaga. Onondaga. So it has since been renamed, this building. It is now. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, mate. I'm ready. I'm ready. Upstate Medical University Arena at Onondaga County War Memorial. Oh, that's that's just silly. <laughs> that's that's just silly. I know it's it's ridiculous. It's um, I thought one of the worst ones of all time was when the Denver Broncos who used to play at Mile High Stadium in Denver because it's the Mile High City. It's a high above above sea level. It, it'd be. They changed it into Sports Authority Field at Mile High Stadium. It's like, how about you just pick one? That's ridiculous. That's the, like, it's the, the, like, the the one thing I can compare that to here in the UK is there is um there was a football team uh, based in a uh, in a town between England and Wales, a town called Oswestry. Mm-hmm. And the the football team went under. Oswestry FC went under, but it was revital. It was it was it was reborn by a company and the company insisted that if they're going to bring this team back, they're going to bankroll it, but the team has to be named after the company. And mm-hmm. so began the rise of total network solutions. FC. 
<laughs> and the football pundits on on television on Saturday afternoons when they were playing would have a field day with this when they when when as they would get abbreviated TNS were winning. They go, oh, there's there'll be parties in the streets of Total Network Solutions. <laughs> But what ended up happening was this company, uh, for one reason or another, stopped funding the club. So the fans took it over and they thought, well, we, we're going to keep TNS. So they just stopped being called the New Saints instead. So they're now called the New Saints because it fits the initialing. But Total Network Solutions Football Club was seriously a thing for some time in the UK. Well, perhaps you're going to bring up the um, Manchester Arena, Manchester Arena, which became Phones for You Arena. Oh, that's pretty common, though. To, to stupid, stupid nonsense like that. Like they, I'm currently, I'm currently looking out of my window, and I can see what was formerly known as the Telewest Broadband Arena, <laughs> before it became the Metro Radio Arena, and uh, which is great when you work at a radio station that's a competitor to Metro because you call it the Newcastle Arena because fuck you, Metro Radio. Um, we're not even saying your name when we mention the goddamn arena, and now it's the Utilita Services Arena. Because <laughs> because approximately four people in in Newcastle use utility services for their electric and and gas, <laughs> so I, I'm a big fan of of nonsense uh, of sponsorship for yeah. for clubs like that. I'm okay with it if it's like if it's part of the um of the region's history. Like Pittsburgh has Heinz Field. Okay, well Heinz condiments is born out of Pittsburgh. It's part of their part of their fabric. Heinz Field, sure. Ford Field in Detroit, Ford Motor Company, it's it's synonymous with Detroit, fine. Levi Stadium in, in, Cal, in California, in, San, in Santa Clara, Levi Jeans, born out of that area, very well known, synonymous with the area, fine. But when you're getting the like, you know, these digital c- corporations that have nothing to do with the area, <laughs> and, 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 and these, like, <laughs> and, and the freaking bank, and the freaking banks. We have a here in Philadelphia or in the Philly area. We have we've had a building that had four names in 25 years because the banks keep getting bought out. So whoever buys them out gets the freaking naming rights. So you get to, you get to, so when you buy at the bank, you also get the naming rights to them as well. Uh, what an extra, what a little extra treat. First, it was the Core State Center. Then it was the First Union Center. Then it was the Wachovia Center. And then it became the uh, Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> it's just pick one. It loses all its charm, doesn't it? I when, know. when, when, a, when, a, when a, I, I get why they do it, you know, why, why a big arena gets a name, but it loses, you lose some of the, the passion. Like the Knickerbocker Arena, like, was a great name for an arena. Pepsi I, Center. I, the, now, the Pepsi Center. It's like, I prefer the Knickerbocker Arena. It's a oh. lovely name for it. I prefer you Pepsi know? Center. How, how long until Madison Square Garden becomes the no. arena? <laughs> That's owned by a trust, I think. Well, mm. That'll never be changed, and if it is, then God forbid. Well, that's that's on here now. When will you watch when when Madison Square Garden becomes the Amazon Arena, the Amazon Prime Arena? When you wait and see, that day is coming. Um, Amazon Prime's been so good to me, so I'd probably be like, ah, you know, you can't grieve forever. <laughs> Newcastle's ground, um, the uh, New- Newcastle's ground. The name of it is just completely fallen out of my head. And I'm literally, I'm literally looking at it from where I am right now. Newcastle United. This is the last bit of uh, football nonsense before we move on. Uh, St. James's Park. Why did I forget that? Uh, St. James's Park was briefly called the, the Sports Direct Arena. 
which was uh, because the main guy who owns Newcastle United is the guy who owns Sports Direct. Here's the thing. Everybody hates him because he, he invests all this money into his, his, his stores, doesn't spend a penny on Newcastle United. They hate him. And there, were, there, was, it was, there was fury among the fans when it was going to be renamed the Sports Direct Arena. And it was so much so, they were so angry. It ended up going back to St. James's Park. <laughs> And, they, and he still owns the guy. Still owns the club, but uh, everybody hates him. It's now. It's like a, it's an ongoing joke amongst Newcastle United fans. If you just say Ashley out, they'll be with you. So this is a Upstate Medical University Arena at Onondaga County War Memorial. A medical university for a war memorial. I, I like that. It's, it's good contrast. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and. and, and time. <laughs> And Todd dates this show by talking about the fourteen ninety five price tag and says a tank of gas costs more than that. I've got in my notes here. Ask Justin about the price of gas. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on the price of gas. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on the price of gas. <laughs> it's, I remember when I remember, I remember eighteen when... years ago when I was delivering pizzas when gas cost a dollar eighty a gallon. I'm like, God, that's steep. <laughs> Fast forward five years, four fifty a gallon. <laughs> oh, oh, very reasonable. <laughs> I was like, I go back to one eighty again. <laughs> I only have to mortgage once to, to fill up my car. Very reasonable. <laughs> to run down this card, Razor is now going to be in a handicap match facing Jarrett and Rody since Kid is injured. And Bob Holly later commented in this book he wasn't happy about that development because he thought like, why not put somebody else in there and, and give them some rub? Like Bob Holly, right? <laughs> yeah. Bob, Bob should have been in that spot. Feud with Jared, it made sense. I mean, like, I, I think I like to have seen Bob amongst it more at this mm -hmm. point. I just, it's funny because whenever you ask Bob what he'd like to do, booking wise, mm -hmm. his answer is always, well, I should just beat everyone and win all the belts. He, he's not like that. <laughs> well, that's, he's, the, he's, that's the general consensus. He just wants to, he just wants to do something. Happy <laughs> beat everyone. <laughs> Whenever Bruce would ask him what you want to do, Bob, Bruce went, Bob would always go, Should we beat everyone? If it was real life, I could. <laughs> yes. I mean, there is that. There is that. Have <laughs> me beat Brock Lesnar. Yeah, all right, mate. Go on then. Well, it's, I mean, Brock's been beaten before. But anyway. Bob nearly beat him. We, li we live in the timeline where Bob Ollie was a tangible threat to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> And that's why Brock quit. <laughs> now we know the rest of the story. <laughs> Diesel versus Sid. Todd call, Todd calls Sid's attack on Sean slimy. It's like <laughs> that's why he it was because he slipped out of the power bomb. <laughs> not, not, not that Sean Brown beat him for five minutes before that. <laughs> Brett versus Hakushi plus a house. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the house wrestling? Um, oh, but house is gonna lose because in, in this era, houses were never good. <laughs> hey, Next you literally couldn't buy. You literally couldn't buy a house, Vince. Oh yeah, watch me. <laughs> Next week's show, we got Owen versus Bart Gunn. We got Jarrett versus Doink. Stan Lane narrating. I forgot he was still here at this point. I did. I was. I got here to say, was that Stan Lane on voiceover? It was Sweet Stan, the, the uh, gangster of love. Gangster of love, Sweet Stan. <laughs> now we come to a match that surprised me. Mantar versus Sonny Rogers. Sonny Rogers, for those of you who don't know out there, is a former AWA wrestler. 
and had been a WWF jobber since 1987. As a matter of fact, I looked up his cage match match listing. His first squash match loss was to the one-man gang in 1987. Wow, he's done the rounds. And his last one was to the Truth Commission in 1997. God. <laughs> Enhancement for life. <laughs> so in other words, he's lost two Americans who pretended to be from Africa at some point in their careers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that appears to be his thing. And Mantar is from the Isle of Crete, which I'm not quite sure where that's at. But... Well, Crete is... In Greece, not the band that sang one. <laughs> Where with me? <laughs> well, man, child's gonna win here. <laughs> Hello, I'm man, child, we again. <laughs> <laughs> Release a man first contract is my sacrifice. <laughs> Jim Cornette's sacrifice. And I, learned that, and I learned that Sonny Rogers' last match came in 2005 when he lost to Larry Sweeney. Ah, oh, sweet and sour. Indeed. God loves sweet and sour. This man has wrestled, this man has wrestled Larry Sweeney and the one-man gang and Mantar. Why have we not got he's a special on him? Where's his WWE Untold documentary? <laughs> Justice for Sonny Rogers. I bet nobody has that exact resume other than him. See, I feel bad because those are your notes on Sonny Rogers. The only note I've got for Sonny Rogers here is it looks like he's playing the Rocket Owen Hart in a musical. <laughs> it kind of does. So, so the, it was like your typical 80, 80s enhancement talent. Long blue tights, scraggly blonde hair. And, and the, he just looks like he, like he has the look of, I'm going to be counting the lights in about three minutes. He got to the Lost Property box early. <clears throat> he got some yes. of the good stuff. He got, he, he got the tasteful attire. <laughs> so this match, we give Mantar a lot of crap because he's Mantar. It's a bad gimmick. It was, it, it, it's mocked to this day. We, we had called a Hulk, have a little fun with it from time to time. But you know what? This was a really good squash match. Mm-hmm. And, part, and I'm going to credit part of that to Mr. Rogers here, not that Mr. Rogers, but this Mr. Rogers, <laughs> because he knows what he's doing in there. He's not some local yokel with no experience that's just there to take bumps. This is a guy who's here to enhance Mantar. Enhance Tar. And right, and right, indeed. He's, he's half mandolin, half guitar. So where does the match begins? We get the, I, I, I did love this movie, Tusk Charge. Where he runs out with his hands, arms straight out, picks you up like, like it's a forklift and runs you into the post. Like he's goring you. I like that. At least Mantar knows what he is, right? For, for yeah. as, as much as it is wrestle crap, like mm-hmm. he's he's leaning into the role. And and mm-hmm. I say fair play. You're leaning Indeed. into it and you'll go and you're just owning it. And, and I've got a lot of respect for that. There is a clear gusto here. Mm. A, a great body beal where he just sends Roger flying across the ring. Roger gets his hope offense. Dropkick gets blocked. Mantar gets his violent-looking belly-to-belly at one point. And, 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 and Rogers is just taking a, 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 a beating here. Mantar is looking semi-impressive, as I noted here. We get a gorilla press 
drop down into the front and do like a full weight and then turn into a power slam at Mantar to finish. That looked wow. nice. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. That was a gorgeous finish. Gorgeous. If he had just been Bruiser Mastino the whole time with like the um the mafioso gimmick, he could have been like a monster heel, like a legit monster heel. I think he'd have fine. I think so. I'm convinced they ruined this guy. Mantor could actually been something after watching that match. I still feel like a guy like Mantor, like uh, whilst the military press press into the into the front power slam, the world's strongest slam, was excellent. Surely, like, a good finish for a Mantar would be, like, a pounce a la Monty Brown. There's that, too. Kind of give that gore-type vibe. The only thing is, he's 400 pounds, so he's not very fast. He doesn't have that Monty Brown explosiveness. Yeah, that's true. That's the one thing about that. Mm. But it, it was a very good squash match and one of the best parts of this show, in all honesty. I thought he was great. I thought Sonny Rogers was great as well. I think Sonny played mm -hmm. his part beautifully. And he looked competitive in not too competitive, but not too competitive. Like we all knew that Mantar was winning. There was no doubt. What they would what they would call a hell of a hand. He was a hell of a hand. A hell of a mm -hmm. hand. Someone good to have around to help mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Tom, your boy shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Nick oh, Nickel. Good. <laughs> For some reason, Nicholas Turo is back. <clears throat> because he wants to be there. And <clears throat> fair play to him. He was the only one at WrestleMania 11 that mm. really gave it his all and really mm. wanted to be, and even was like, I want to do this more often. And mm. I felt like I'm glad they're giving him another shot with this. He saw his brother do good in quiz show and thought, I need my own quiz show. I know. I'll use wrestling as a stepping stone. Brilliant. Why not? Why not? <laughs> but this was another spurious stake segment. This was. I was confused by this. You say spurious. That's a good word for this. Spurious. <laughs> so he's in the guise of his character from NYPD Blue. He's he's got an interrogation room, Man Mountain Rock. He says, "So are you a wrestler? Or are you are you a rock and roll guy?" I'm both. Well, you can't be both. I see. I see. Do the see, and this goes back and forth for a bit. Remember, I was like, like a watch. I'll show you on both. He plays this guitar riff, this this, this loud metal riff. Taurus impresses. So you're a rock star then? He says, well, I'm a wrestler too. Here, let me show you. And then he kind of forces the tour off camera, and and, and you hear the beating sounds of him presumably hitting the tour with all sorts of moves and stuff. So now Taturo is, is presumably in a crumpled up heap somewhere because Man Mountain Rock has made his point. Well, okay. <laughs> As segments go, it wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't. It says, man, Mount Rock, member of the new generation. But my issue with it is that how can Nick Totoro get onto Man Mountain Mock Rock about being a wrestler who has another job when there are so many other wrestlers yes. that have yes. other jobs? You have a dustman there. You have a bin man. Get a race car driver. A race car driver. You have you have a man who's pretending to be an animal, hurting people. You'll soon a have a clown. dentist, a circus clown, a country singer, a country singer, a roadie, a tax collector, a tax collector, an Indian, <laughs> a bodybuilding promoter. That's Vince. Bodybuilding promoter. <laughs> Weird strippers in Well Done. <laughs> Why pick on Man Mountain Rock? Exactly. What's his crime? What? Um, 
Christ. You're cutting, you're cutting oh. out again. Am I cutting out? Hang on. Yeah. Let me just... How's that? Good. Ah, uh, cool. Hang on. I'll just move that there. Okay. Okay. And also... Right, hang on. Also, what's his crime? What's his crime here? Changing his name without a license? <laughs> you were cooler when you were Max Payne. Uh, just very, sure very odd name. segment. Very odd segment featuring Nick Dutura. Now we come to a big match. Razor Ramon versus Psycho Sid. Here we go. This is now, the match that the whole show has been built around. I am confident. They announced it last week. This is going to be so big. Two big men, two big bullies. Big, big, big boys. Slug it out. Bop, bouncing meat. <laughs> Slapping me. <laughs> so, Sid enters, Razor enters, and the match doesn't happen. What? Well, see, here's what happened. What now, happened? Usually, I hate. Well, usually I hate bait and switches. But see, Sid attacks Razor before the match, and there's no match, and power bombs from Diesel makes a save because apparently the power bomb is like the it's like the Diesel signal, a la the Bat signal. It, bring, it summons Diesel from the locker room. <laughs> did the Sean, did the Bam, did the Razor. It got to bring Diesel out. But I would usually complain about this, like bait and switch crap. But this gave us one of the, maybe the most awesome Sid moment ever. You see, for those of you that haven't seen this, when Razor's doing his, um, his entrance, he has that trademark pyro that's behind him while he does the me, 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 yeah pose. Or... We have the columns of pyro falling from the ceiling, and we had the, sort of like the lawn sprinkler effect behind him as well, you know, going upward, up, and outward. Sid jumps in through the pyro and jumps Razor. And he did and the whole Brock Lesnar, like, kip up onto the apron as well when they showed the replay. Mm -hmm. Even cooler. And he just plowed through this the like pyro. It's like something the friggin' Terminator would do. <laughs> just, that was the coolest thing Sid ever did. It looked very, very cool. It, 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 like, like, not even mocking the guy. That was just like, like I ain't messing with this dude. He jumped through fire. <laughs> so Diesel runs him off. Sid, Sid lives to fight another day. And then he mumbles something unintelligible to the camera. Why, why is going up the aisle? Where I didn't catch any of it. He said, um, "You will all soon know." Okay. So he was hinting, he was like, you will soon all know. know. Yeah, soon you'll all know. Soon you'll all know. He just kept saying that over and over again. Okay, no wonder it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like a mantra. <laughs> so, so yes, we get the replay. They're showing Sid clearly jumping through the pyro, which is just, like, like I marked out for that part. I feel but like not, instead, I out even more. what they could have done mm -hmm. is instead of having it so like, the power bombs happen and then Diesel runs him off. I'm just thinking of a way of like just keeping Razor looking cool. Not that he didn't look cool. Could you maybe have had it that Razor still insisted on the match starting? So like he's knackered and he's like, hey, Chico, come on, we'll fight anyway. And the referee asks him, are you sure? Are you sure? The bell sounds and Sid immediately hits him with another power bomb. And then the ref throws it out. Well, I understand back in those days, one finisher was enough. Mm. And Sid's power bomb is supposed to be lethal. I mean, I mean, three of them put Sean 
Uh, and Sean's, Sean's at home for a while after taking three. Bam Bam somehow survived the one that looked like it was um, no attempted murder. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Taking one would be like, bring the bell automatic pin. Because mm. it sits throwing you from a great height. It was still cool. So, it was still a really cool bit. Yeah. But speaking of bombs, Adam Bomb versus Dave Siegfried. Now, speaking of awesome enhancement talents, <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Siegfried. Oh, I used another good one this week. Just another guy that just... Now, not the best outfit. Still a very strong outfit, but not the best outfit. Not the not the best movement, but still very good movement. He's on a... Do you know, any other week, I feel like Dave Siegfried would have stood out a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think. But on this particular week, because the enhancement lads are, are so good, he doesn't stand uh, out as much. It was the plumage of Ron Hagen... <laughs> that uh that stole the show stole everyone's thunder <laughs> beautiful plumage <laughs> but Zufri Z- does make up for it with a nice mullet and stash though nice he looks he had a, a like a nice retro value to him uh some, some good facial expressions in here as well it's like a squatty LA gore uh now he's been around a while hasn't he Siegfried Yes, and unfortunately, they never once thought to team with Tony Roy and then do the obvious duo. <laughs> they clear this company clearly doesn't want to make any money. Dave That's Zick the only thing Tony I can Roy, think come of. Come on. That's the, and have them come out with a tiger. That's it right. Is, amazing. He, he's toned down a bit now, but like in, the, in, in 93, when he was enhancement talenting, he was, he was a swole boy. He was, to quote Ross, he was fit as a butcher's dog. In, in 93, a little bit deflated now compared to where he was. But well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's almost like they got told to stop taking the drugs. The candies. Stop taking them lovely candies. Just <laughs> stop it. We learned during this match between the irresistible force and the unbookable object. <laughs> that it's um, Adam Bomb and Mabel in a King of the Ring qualifying match at the first in your house. Oh, no. Like like, I just shuddered and I don't know why. Oh no, oh no, oh no 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 no. <laughs> and this is at that point, knowing history the way I do it now, I kind of peered over the horizon. I think is that an iceberg? <laughs> at this point, I'm making that noise that stressed out cats make. That no 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 trouble brewing. It's trouble brewing. It was a great bad guy in Dynamite Heady. So Adam Bob's facing this big swole guy, and what do we get? We get headlock takeovers. Yay, they're my favorite. I love matches that are just bristling with headlock takeovers. Yes. Adam Bomb is very clearly a um you know, a Matt aficionado, by no means a powerhouse. He's here to outmaneuver Siegfried. We actually get a crossbody reversal spot, no a pinfall attempt between these two. Which I was not expecting. But I mean, it is what it is. It's clothesline city after that. And a big diving clothesline to end it. And, I take and it bomb- Adam Bomb has got rid of a lot of his big map moves because he was doing the Atom Smasher, which was a power bomb before mm-hmm. Diesel and Sid got in there. And I guess he's been told to stop doing that. And now this is the uh, the new finish for Adam Bomb. 
But you know what he does have that those two don't have? Oh, he has Bomb Squad stress balls. Miniature Nerf footballs that he throws into the crowd. I want one. I love that. That's now, trip great. To, trip to eBay. <laughs> yeah, can we get some? So they're tiny, like, as, 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 uh, as Justin says, they are Nerf balls. They're like squeezy stress ball type things, which have Bomb Squad written on them. They're shaped like a missile. They're great. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant. Adam Bomb is marketable. God damn it. Why is no one giving this guy the belt? I swear to God, I bang this drum every time he's on TV. Why not build the company around Adam Bomb? Why not? He's not He's not the best, but he's certainly not the worst. He's got some decent movesets for a big lad. Like, why not? That's how he should be marketed. Yeah, he's got his own marketing. He's got the oh. Are they available? No, no, no! I found something better. Oh, go on. Okay, so I, I, I can't, I can't find the Nerf atom bomb footballs. But what I did find, someone took a pair of Bret Hart sunglasses and modified them to look like atom bombs goggles, and it's selling for a thousand, thousand British pounds. I gotta get me a wallet. <laughs> and and put very rare. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, this is a thing. What's the username? Adam Pachiti. Oh, what? <laughs> Let's see. Is seller trustworthy? <laughs> no. Hundred percent positive feedback for this person. Is it all the feedback from his mum? <laughs> I sent you the link. It's just the back of it. It's just the Bret Hart shades. Oh my god! I am excited. And I, Adam I, Bomb apparently, Adam Bomb apparently signed them. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm, Justin has very kindly furnished me with a link. To the items. Very, oh, you are kidding. Oh, they are crap. Crap, but I almost won them. So they are. Okay. Now, when Justin says they are modified to look like Adam Bomb's goggles, he is being incredibly polite. What What's happened is they're Bret Hart's glasses and somebody has... has as as made like the shape of Adam Bomb's goggles out of what looks like construction paper, shiny construction paper, and has glued it onto Bret Hart's glasses. I think they just painted like a design. That's all. It looks like it might be glued on. I can't tell. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enlarging it. it. It oh, it could it could be. Uh... I think it's just like airbrushed. I don't even think they're Bret Hart's glasses. <laughs> and they got Brian Clark to sign it or just write oh. or Adam Bomb themselves. God damn it. That's pretty awful. I'm a so, fan. So for $1,372 American, I could have this. Oh my God. <laughs> to live for four days. I need to ask Adam for an advance. <laughs> Ships from the United Kingdom. Uh, let's see. He's got all good feedback. What else is this guy selling? TNA magazines. He's, a, he's got a signed Johnny Impact poster. I mean, all the other stuff he seems to have is legit and impact-based. <laughs> <laughs> this is... That's quite a collectible. I might ask him to throw in the 
Oh my god. TNA Impact Wrestling Magazine, October 2009, with Hulk Hogan on the front. 300 pounds. 220 pounds. Gee, I didn't know. I forgot there even was a TNA magazine. I didn't, I didn't know there was. Maybe just published it himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually, that's a good show. <laughs> the hat McKinley was shot in. <laughs> a book from the depository. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Well, there you go. Um, link in the description of the podcast if you would like to own this item. It is on you. We are not encouraging you to buy it. Please don't buy it. Save your money. Save your money. Give it to us. Put it in John's Kofi account. Exactly. John, can you Photoshop yourself wearing Bret Hart's glasses? <laughs> or, or Adam Bomb's goggles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you please Photoshop John? 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 Photoshop. Uh, yourself wearing the Bret Hart Adam Bomb glasses. <laughs> this next bit made me... Then send it to Undertaker! <laughs> this next bit made me queasy. <laughs> okay. Not Jerry Lawler's psychic queasy, but actual queasy. Now, they're checking on Razor Ramon in the back. Apparently, he suffered a head injury from the powerbomb. Now, with what we know about head injuries today, there's a protocol, concussion protocol. They're, they're, they're very vigilant about helping those with possible head injuries. In 1995, the idea was Razor sitting in a chair, holding an ice pack to his head, while various road agents surround him. There is not a piece of medical person, person medical staff here, it's just Rene Goulet. Jack lands in whoever else. Repeatedly asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, like, the guy got laid on his friggin' head. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Ray Rouge is there poking a microphone in. And he's, he's coming on a marriage. He's, he's making sit sound like he's Godzilla. He goes, somebody has to stop this man. As the camera pans in on Diesel. Very, very unsubtly. What the hell was this? <laughs> I saw the fact that they went, what happened? And Earl Hebner, and like, like Rougeau said to Earl Hebner, what happened out there? And I'm going, well, it's obvious what happened. Sid Powell bombed him. And Earl Hebner, who was out there, went, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Sid Powell bombed him. The referee misses everything. I, and we, all, we all had a coma when I woke up. Sid was gone and Ramon was dead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was watching baseball like everybody else is in America at this point. And, <laughs> and I turn around and razor it with a big grease stain on the mat from where his hair slicked against it. <laughs> now we have a promo from Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who, in a very pronounced accent, talks about civility. <laughs> I'm here to talk about civility. One day I'll be running this company. His British accent is adorable, though. That's <laughs> what I do when I'm making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, Adam, do you know what? Real... He, yeah, just he is doing the Justin Henry British accent. <laughs> this is behind the match. <laughs> I will now eat a hat whilst we go behind the match. <laughs> when I'm taking all of you. How are you getting on with your Andrew impression? Because is that that? Because you've got you've nailed Jack. You've nailed Jack impression. You've nailed the Matthew impression. You've nailed the me impression. How are you getting on with an Andrew impression? I haven't started yet. 
All right. Okay. Well, let's some homework for <laughs> next week. Well, I don't think I've I've really done the you know you know the Jack impression yet. It's it's you know it's perfect. I'm, it's like I'm, 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 I I just C minus because you know in, in Tom's mind you know a, a C minus is uh you know it's the worst they can get you know, and um like, Jack sounds like a very tentative Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul McCartney getting into into a slightly hot bath. <laughs> very, very passive. Uh, I wait. I wait to watch uh, Andrew stream one night this week, and and I want I like a, a, an Andrew impression from Justin Henry for next week. Like a nice Yorkshire head, accent. Uh, you don't have to shave your head. Uh, okay. a, a good a good phrase to start with is genuine Lego. <laughs> <laughs> but what is Carl what... Sagan? <laughs> <laughs> If you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. Billions and billions of hours spent editing. Of hours spent making Lego. Um, okay. So if you're to work until next week, this is exciting. What a moment this will be. Speaking of moments, Men on a Mission versus Kevin Kruger and Bill Duke. I got excited because I thought it was Bill Duke from Predator, Sergeant Mac. <laughs> I realized it wasn't. I was disappointed. I got excited because I thought it was Freddy Krueger. Because <laughs> if Vince can say, Bill Duke, the best actor in Predator, as a shot at Jesse Ventura. <laughs> a little passive-aggressive from Vince. So, but now, this is part of the Mabel promotional push. But the true highlight of this match is when Kevin Krueger trying to make a comeback and starts throwing these little wimpy punches at Mabel. And Vince calls him lame right hands. <laughs> Vince is burying the jobber for even Vince strikes. hates him. <laughs> the kiss of death. <laughs> it was Kevin Kruger. So the first thing I could think of was Kruger from Seinfeld from, from the um, uh, Festivus episode. <laughs> like, Kruger, my son tells me you're come back in the match things. <laughs> And then Vince is so bored that not only is he burying Kruger's um, offense, he buries Mo for having a big ass. He <laughs> <It> does. <laughs> I didn't hear that. It's like, like uh, well, there it is written across the sizable derriere of Mo. Vince. Vince has just had enough of this show. I can't blame him. Vince, you signed off on that outfit. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't give him grief. You you said that was all right. Well, Mo beats him down, keeps not taking the pin because he wants to keep inflicting punishment. <laughs> and uh, he he goes for a chin lock after after not taking the pin. And Vince is like disqualify him for unsportsmanlike. Like like when you're the commentator calling for you know disqualifications for not taking a pinfall or not accepting a pinfall on your opponent, that means the guy's not over. Like, let's build some heat for these guys. Let's we'll use that to get the crowd to hate them because they're unsportsmanlike. <laughs> we get a we, we get the corner club sandwich on Bill Duke. Mabel finishes with this crushing belly to belly. After match, they go into this taunt rap thing that Vince and Law just talk over and cut off. It's like they're, they're trying to do a bit, and you're and, and you're just like, oh, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, it's just men on a mission are boring. Uh, as heels, they're boring. They've lost their magic. 
Well, if, if, they're, if they're boring heels, you know, you gotta give them some big wins in order to build them back up. <laughs> no! <laughs> to Iceberg! Should we steer shouldn't we steer that way? No. <laughs> Let's go towards it. Uh, you have to engage the iceberg. <laughs> We're playing chicken with an iceberg now, Justin. <laughs> I think we'll win. Yeah. It'll jump out of the way. Yeah, of course it will. Always does. <laughs> Sissy iceberg. Stupid sexy iceberg. <laughs> Can take a hint. <laughs> so we got a plug for Doink and Jarrett for next week and Bart and Owen. Then Vince actually says that Doink and Jarrett's going to pale to Bart versus Owen. He's buried his own show. What is Vince doing on this show? <laughs> Vince, I think Vince has had enough by this point. <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting tired and punchy. <laughs> then Bret Hart arrives. Crowd's happy to see him because Laura's been talking about this contract all night, this open contract for in your house. He calls Lawler a liar for saying, Brett, for saying that Brett was ducking him. He's committed to beating Hakushi in your house. Lawler tries to come off him, and Brett with a good shut up right in his direction. Shut up! That was the best part of Brett's promo here, was that shut up. That was the, if your dad yelled at you that way, you, you'd freeze. Shut up. Mm. That was a good shut up. So Brett agrees to the second match. He's going to work twice in your house versus Hakushi and versus Lawler. And, and then we get the bog standard in your house straight to the outhouse joke about Lawler and Brett leaves and Lawler's laughing. The thing that the issue here was there was a bit of Brett's delivery that confused, that, that confused me somewhat. Right. Because he uh, went, because he went, I'm going to wrestle Harkushi uh, in your house. And then Jerry, I'm going to wrestle you in your house. Which made me think, what, is he going to his house to wrestle him? No, but what he meant was, yeah, exactly. Is he going to invade his house? Like, what he meant was, no, I'll wrestle you on the same night at the pay-per-view. But because Brett, I don't know whether he did it subconsciously or whatever, put the inflection on your, that made me think, are we getting a cinematic match as well? Brett's been listening to Pierre Gabriel's Intruder for for last week. <laughs> I know about creeping across floors, putting <laughs> windows and doors. I can't remember the exact sledgehammer. <laughs> we already saw him earlier. He, he, he did a vignette. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he's been on us in the. So yes, in your house is starting to stack a little bit. Getting two Brett matches. I'm okay with two Brett matches. Two Brett matches will save the day. Back and, one break. Is, and one of them is Hakushi, so that's cool. Absolutely, it's uh, so that's raw for this week. We have one more show, and then we got our first ever in your house watch along. Yeah, we've made it to in your house. This is quite exciting, isn't it? I know, I'm excited. Big fan of uh, of, of landing on Ila in your house. Um, not a bad show, actually. Well, I, I obviously I watched it on my own and went. It's, it's actually quite a an easy to digest show. There were lots of little, this was right. Instead of it, instead, you know, that one night where we had Brett and Owen one-on-one for the whole night. Mm-hmm. That was, that was like having a big British roast dinner of a show. Okay. This, this was like, this was wrestling tapas. 
So it was lots of little dishes served quickly. Mm. And I was I all right you. with that because we had a we had a big beefy power match. We had a, a fast pace match. We mm. had uh, a, a bit with Sid and Ramon that looked pretty deadly. We had Adam Bomb. Why aren't you pushing Adam Bomb? God damn it! And then Men on a Mission turned up as like the like the the, the last. Uh, you're feeling very full of tapas, and then they they turn up with like s- some rather large sausages, and you're like, ah, oh, just I can't eat anymore. I'm quite <laughs> full now, and these are a bit heavy. You sit a bit heavy on me. <laughs> So, resting tapas. It's week. five jobber squashes, but then next week we have two theoretical you know, main guy versus main guy matches, and Jared Lincoln, Owen Bart. So it's 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 kind of a weird imbalance there. I like how you but uh, you say theoretical. Well, it's Dwink, <laughs> along for this company. <laughs> He's nearly done, isn't he? Just about. Oh well, look, we'll talk on that next week but that is monday night raw uh once mm. again thank you for joining us and until we gather next week to talk more about wrestling in 1995 here's at jrh racing on twitter i am at tom campbell on twitter together we are at cultaholic on twitter don't forget to join us <gasps> ron hagan <laughs> ron hagan is your takeaway from this show the sherbert dandy <laughs> the Sherbert Dandy. <laughs>